0: Hi everybody, it's Rob Reed of the Playertrack.com podcast. Today I'm going to be looking at the third baseman, but I have a really, really exciting announcement to start us off with. Welcome back to the Playertrack.com podcast. Number one, the, thir- or the first thing that I am most excited about this week, folks, is I have finally perfected the overall rankings. As I promised you in the last podcast, I have now done it so that the overall rankings system that we have at Playertrack, which used to be standard 5-5 five five only, is now whatever you want it to be, based on the categories that we have under hitters and pitchers. On the homepage in the blog, you can see there's a video that I prepared to show you how the overall ranking, the customized overall ranking works. It will only work for people who are subscribers to the system, but it is very inexpensive if you want to get just the draft kit, which is essentially all of the statistics. The ability to manipulate all of the statistics for just $9.99, which will prove you substantial dividends. You'll see that I did a mock draft at MockDraftCentral.com for the first time uh, using the customized overall ranking system. And I I hate overall projection systems and things like that. You know, It's what I said in the blog entry because it gives you this ability for some false bravado. Like, ooh, look, I got projected to be great. Um, but you know, cause in the end it doesn't mean anything, but it's still something that I, I can point to, to say, well, this is some folks think this was a very effective draft because the first draft where I used the system, I was ranked number one on the projections. So take a look at that. That's why I'm so excited about it. I think it's amazing. I designed this system to, for me, everything that I wanted in my fantasy drafts, I now have, and I'm sharing it with you. So it's it's a way that I can uh, make a few bucks by helping you out, but I don't think it's a heck of a lot of money. If you go to uh, Fantasy Baseball Index and you buy that magazine, there is a coupon code for an entire season pass where you'll get the ability to do all this stuff throughout the course of the season, starting on their updates on May 1st, June 1st, the All-Star break august 1st and then september 1st so throughout the season you can see players who are underperforming and a part of this podcast probably substantial part of this podcast is my analysis of the in-season rankings as we go along so you would be able to help me help you and you would help help me as well in your comments if we all are joining the system together and i see that there's finally some competition but huge competition at MLB. dot com actually with Bloomberg, uh, who I guess does news and weather. I don't know what they do, and I don't know what they allege this proprietary system is. But I think they're trying to do the same thing that Player Track does. And the reality is they're charging, you know, double at least double. And I believe the Player Track does a lot more for you. So you definitely want to check that out. And since I've made that announcement. Uh, Now let's go to take a look at the third baseman. I'll be looking at the top 10 third baseman in all of baseball under proration this week uh, with a minimum 20 games played, a minimum of, let's say, 100 at-bats this time. Standard 5-5. We start off the list with a well-known player, if you're a Boston fan, who will be playing primarily first base, but believe it or not, comes ahead of number two, Alex Rodriguez. I'm talking about Kevin Euclidus. Kevin Euculus had his huge breakout year last year where he was the 13th-ranked overall first baseman in... Uh, all of baseball under proration in 2007 which was decent he was an overall prorated player track rank of 99 so he was a top 100 player as of 2007 the greatest thing about him is the thing that you would read in in the old book Moneyball that everyone likes to talk about that occasionally i will reference which is simply that he has the ability to get on base he's so great at doing that and so his peripheral statistics, in particular, is runs. You know, the more time somebody can get on base, the more they're available to get knocked in. And Alex Rodriguez, who comes in at number two, was in more of a position to knock runs in than Eucalys, who has a great supporting cast to bring bring him in when he walks. Last season, Eucalys had a non-base percentage of 400. He had seven, uh, sorry seven stolen bases, which... I believe could be a career high. This uh, counts since 2004, when Eucalys had 208. That's what Player Track looks like. 208 at bats. He at had 79 in 2005, and I think that's around the time that he came up. So a career high in stolen bases, where he was only thrown out two times. The weird thing is in 2080, had eight attempts and was thrown out five times with only three stolen bases. So we can probably look at between seven and 10 attempts. I think anywhere between uh, two to five stolen bases is uh, a done deal. And anything above that is gravy. I I wouldn't expect more. He's not going to be a running threat. That's for sure. Um, And the fact that he had seven stolen bases last year might make some folks think, but he's, he's not much of, of a speedster running threat had one triple last year. What he did have though, in 491 at bats, 27 home runs, in 538 at-bats in 2008 29 home runs there is the potential for 30 home runs here which is certainly making him very special too why does yuke rank higher than alex rodriguez well let's compare their uh, their rankings for the standard 55 yukelis had a 305 batting average with alex rodriguez is 286 there were 11 players at the third base spot who come between them in that category. Uh, Alex Rodriguez was second out of the 60 players that come up in this result. Euclid was fifth in RBI in runs. Euclid was the number one third baseman in all of baseball under proration with the 491 at bats with a full uh, season. He had, if I was counting off the top of my head, it looks like he, had 143 games. There were 19 games that he didn't play in the season. If he had the, uh, those additional 19 games, that run number would have been, you know, very nice. Alex Rodriguez only had 78 runs scored last year. That's one of those difficult things. But realize, I mean, everyone realizes that Alex Rodriguez is more of a run uh, a run producer rather than a run scorer, and we'll take a look at that a little bit more uh, later. Each of these guys had a a, a strikeout to walk rate of one flat. They're just very good, very good players. Uh, There's no doubt about that. I think that Alex Rodriguez is probably going to be the American League MVP uh, for fantasy purposes this coming year. That's what I said, and uh, I'm on the record in Fantasy Baseball Index of saying that. But Kevin Euclid will be up there. Uh, That's the reality. His ability to get an extra base hit is not that much different than Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez's isolated power is two forty-five. Ukes was two forty-two. You know, so they, they're very close there as well, but it's that batting average. Again, continuing in home runs, Alex Rodriguez was ranked second of the sixty. And Uke was 6th of the 60. Stolen bases is where they have a little bit of a difference, and that's where uh, the 14, Alex Rodriguez, had ranked him 10th of the 60, and Yuke had 7 stolen bases, ranked him 19th out of 60. There's really a, a close race between these two. Yuke wins it solely on, on proration, primarily, um, and he will be a valuable a third baseman for you there's no doubt about it he won't he won't play much third base now that boston has added in adrian beltray and they have mike lowell as sort of the odd man out there mike lowell can be dh third base first base but i can't recommend mike lowell for fantasy purposes because he doesn't have a spot and he's not going to be permanently playing there unless beltray just stinks it up and and that could happen but i i doubt it Beltre is not a guy who i am primarily targeting He's a decent player, but we won't talk about him today. We'll be talking about folks um, who appear in this top 10 uh, who I, I think are, and in, in looking at it just quickly, I think all of these guys are better options than uh, Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre, under this list, you know, when he was with Seattle, appears number 28 out of 60. So, you know, Take that to the bank, if you will, but it is Boston. It's a better team than Seattle, and it's a, a better hitter's ballpark, I would say, than Seattle is. So Adrian might be a decent option, but Uke is the one that I'd rather put on my third-base spot. He will play primarily first base. He does qualify at first and third. He played 78 games at first base, 63 games at third base last year. Now A-Rod, let's talk a little bit more about him. There isn't a lot to say about him because he is one of the upper echelon in all of baseball, and he has been notwithstanding the steroid stuff that came out. you know it was something that concerned a lot of folks, and Alex was out for the first part of the season with the uh, steroid revelation and and the a need for uh, surgery and all that stuff I, and that's what led to four hundred and forty four at bats. but uh, his overall player track rank which is the 444 at-bats under proration, was number six. He was the number one player in all of baseball in 2008, the number one player in 2007, the number five player in 2006, the number one player in 2005. I mean, he's just top top of the game. I think he's just turning 35 years old. Obviously, he's going to be aiming at the home run record. Amazing ball player. I said at the start of the season, I said he was a big question mark. Does all of the off season stuff, especially the steroid revelation, does it knock down his fantasy value? And I said not much, but I would expect some. Because the thing I was concerned about is is he was a type that thrives on a good reputation. And I wondered if all of the stuff gets in his head, especially when opposition fans start berry bondsing him with the Royd stuff. But I said I'd still pay forty five dollars for him. I didn't get him in any of my fantasy leagues last season but I said he hasn't hit less than 35 home runs in a season since the positive steroid test in 2003 that that uh, was revealed last season. And then I said maybe I just changed my mind. Yeah, he still hit 30 home runs in 444 at-bats. 35 plus home runs given a full season is a done deal. This guy has a great skill set. Steroids or no steroids, that's the reality. I'm sure after 2003 he got off the juice, and in 2007 he had 54 home runs. That might be his ultra peak, but you know I, I still the thing about Alex is that since we've been counting here at uh, Player Track since 2004. He had his lowest batting average on balls in play last season. It was 306. His lowest before that was 315 in 2007 when he hit 314. So I actually think that he's more likely we can expect a 320 ish batting average on balls in play, which would have meant a 300 batting average. He hit 302 in 2008. 300 batting average is probably a done deal with just regular luck for A Rod with 35-plus home runs. I mean, everything to like about him. He's still with the Yankees. Great squad there, World Series champs. He's got his ring now, and I'm sure he's going to be hungry for more. He's a competitor. And and the thing that he's most interested in is probably preserving his reputation and getting a Hall of Fame spot, notwithstanding the the steroid stuff. We'll see what happens in that regard. But for fantasy purposes, you can't do much better. The two thousand eight AL MVP comes up next. Who won his first uh, Gold Glove award last season at third base? So that's pretty special. He's an all around ball player. Talking about Evan Longoria. Longoria finally becomes a fantasy elite. There was always that expectation of him that that's what he would be. His batting average is still, you know, not the thing that makes me incredibly excited. Although he's consistent. He had a three eighteen batting average on balls in play in two thousand eight, his rookie season. It was three nineteen last season with one hundred and forty ish more at bats. He had six more home runs last season, one hundred and thirteen RBIs, a hundred runs scored, hit two eighty one. He increased his ability to take a walk. His contact rate went up. He struck out one hundred and forty times versus one hundred and twenty two in the previous season, but that was a lower pace. So that's special. So we see this young kid becoming a better and better player. Nine stolen bases last season, seven the previous season. Uh, is 10 possible? Absolutely. So a 30-10 from the third base spot here. Evan Longoria is here to stay. Uh, I Tampa Bay has great elements in that lineup, and th- there's no doubt about that. He's got people to bring in, you know, Carl Crawford. Uh, If if Ben Zobrist and Jason Bartlett can continue their hitting ways that they did, I don't think they will. But look, how far can someone who was that good fall down? I don't think substantially. So there, there will be players for him to bring in and... I think what you see is what you get from 2009 from Evan Longoria with Upside, and that is fantastic. It is possible that Evan Longoria, this could be the year that he becomes the number one third baseman in all of baseball. He definitely is deserving of this spot. Uh, looking at his other peripherals, his uh, his isolated power, exactly the same as A-Rod last year. And he was 20th, as Evan, 20th in batting average of the sixty third in RBI. 6th in runs scored. He was 4th in home runs. And 16th in stolen bases. Now number 4 is a guy who I'm not as excited about. And I know a lot of folks are. I've seen Mark Reynolds, number 4, get drafted at Mock Draft Central, I think I saw in the ADP, the average draft position. He got drafted as high as 13. And that would make him a first-round pick in a 14-team league. And I it just makes me it gives it makes me ill that's the the bottom line and i did that's the title of the uh the entry that i put at player track in his player profile so the bottom line with mark reynolds is he's a 240 hitter who had a great amount of luck last year 30 home runs and 10 stolen bases is probably the name of the game in 2010 but with a 240ish average so he's he's a cheaper adam dunn type player or maybe, when I see him get drafted as high as 13th, he may cost more than Adam Dunn. And, but I said, and I still agree, I'd rather have Adam Dunn on my team with that type of player and then look for somebody else at third base. I know Adam Dunn doesn't qualify there. But what I'm saying is it's the same kind of player, so I think you could do better potentially with Adam Dunn. He'll have probably a better batting average by 20 points. and With a 341 batting average on balls in play from Mark Reynolds last season, he only hit 260. And that was like 40 points higher than league average, almost. The previous season was a 329 batting average on balls in play. Before that was 386. So the weird thing, he's he's a very strange player, Mark Reynolds, because usually you see a player with a contact rate as terrible as he is. And each of the last three seasons, uh, he he is, uh, I think the last two seasons, he is... Beaten the strikeout record in a season. I mean, he had 204 strikeouts, and then beat his record last season with 223. I mean, it's disgusting. And why it bothers me so much is the fact that then you know every time he's going up there, he's looking to hit a home run every single time. He's not looking to do anything else. He's not looking to get it through the hole. He's not looking to bring in a player. He's not looking to to move players up a spot. He's thinking long ball, and that's why he's swinging and missing a lot. So that is the explanation for why in only 40 more out-bats, there's was 39 more out-bats, he had 16 more home runs. He had 28 home runs in 2008, 44 last season. Now, the home run power was always there. I saw it. I've talked about Mark Reynolds before, and I picked him up in, an, in my first expert league that I was in in 2008, and... There were a lot of you know well-known, well known well well known folks in the online fantasy baseball industry you know with the podcasts and stuff who were in this group, and uh, Mark Reynolds was dropped by somebody and early in the 2008 season I thought well look this guy's got some potential for pop I don't remember where I had it third but it was lousy, and so I thought well I'll take a gamble on him and he was great he only hit 239 though 2008, you know that was that was a problem. Uh, certainly it hurt, hurt me substantially there, but he gave me a lot of pop, and he will give any team a lot of pop. Is it going to be 44 home runs again? I'm not convinced because I think he's going to, uh, I don't know if the wind was blown right, but his batting average on balls in play was too high, too high. And his contact rate is too low for me to have great expectation. I th- I think that a 20-point drop in batting average is entirely reasonable. The other thing that is a big question mark is how somebody can go from 11 stolen bases to 24. He was thrown out uh, nine times out of 33, a little under obviously uh, about 30%, I guess. He was thrown out. So three out of 10 times he's going to get thrown out. And I I cannot believe that he is a 40-20 player from here on out. And, that's what people are going to pay for. I think the thing with Mark Reynolds is there's only one place for him to go, and that's down. How far that will be, I think it'll be more, like I said, of a 30-home-run, 10-stolen-base type player hits 240. And I'm not sure that that would be a top-10 player when all said and done. Somebody who will be a top-10 player who suffered from injury last year and may be forgotten in some of your leagues, so don't forget about him. And you could hold out and wait and watch other players take somebody like Mark Reynolds while you wait to get Aramis Ramirez. Aramis Ramirez, in 306 at-bats last season, hit three hundred seventeen, a three seventy-four on on-base percentage. He scored 46 runs in the 306 at-bats, which puts him on pace for about 90 or so. 15 home runs, which put him on pace for close to 30. He uh, has a decent contact rate of 85% last season. His batting average in Boston play was three hundred thirty-one in that short stint. When it usually averages uh, anywhere from 300 to maybe 310, we can reasonably expect about, um, I'd say, 310, which would probably get him hitting anywhere between 290 to 310, and that obviously makes him incredibly valuable there, hitting in the hitter's ballpark of of uh, Chicago at Wrigley, and when he hits it into the ivy, and it could stay there. That's that definitely bodes well. I I love everything about Aramis Ramirez. I don't I know he's been around a while, so there is the possibility that age could get the better of him. But his contact rate has always remained pretty consistent. His OPS uh, the last three seasons has hovered around the same. It was nine thirteen in two thousand seven. It was eight ninety one in two thousand eight. It was eight ninety last season. In his short season, but his on-base percentage is always up there in the in the uh, mid three sixties to three seventies. Last two seasons, it's been in the three seventies. He doesn't steal a heck of a lot of bases. That's not why you're going to get him. But I, I what I think we have in Aramis Ramirez is a guy who looks like his two thousand eight for sure. You know, somebody like Mark Reynolds, I can't say that because he sort of he exploded into what will probably be a career year. Aramis is just this type of player where he's going to hit close to 30 home runs given a full season. He's going to have over 100 RBI. He's going to have close to 100 runs scored. And he's going to hit you between 290 to 310. Everything to like about that. Not a guy that strikes out as much as Mark Reynolds does. And again, because of the short stint, if people are looking solely at past statistics and not paying attention to... Uh, players who had shortened seasons. Aramis may be forgotten. Somebody who's on the rise will be upper echelon certainly in the next five years and, and arguably is has reached the stage of upper echelon. Last season, in particular, is Ryan Zimmerman coming in at number six. Ryan Zimmerman's a guy that when I first started doing the podcast, the Baseball Geeks podcast with Greg in 2006. Who when he uh, came up and he was going to be starting for the first time for the nationals, we were excited about him because in college, he just was a solid hitter. He was a 300 plus hitter. and it just hasn't translated in the majors, or at least it hadn't. It has as of 2009, when he hit 292, and his uh, hitting skill has continued to get up go up each year since 2007. When he first came up, he hit 287 which was decent, you know, I expected to see 300, but then he followed it up in 2007 with a 266 batting average. Now that was a symptom of what we will see when players suffer from some bad luck. And that's what happened in 297. The batting average on balls and play was 298. When in 2006, it was 329, 2008, it was 312 when he hit 283 and it was 317 last year. So I think that 280 to 290 is going to be easy for Ryan Zimmerman. But the thing that we should get most excited about is he finally became a 30 home run hitter, hitting 33 last season. So he's, he's right in his prime. Ryan Zimmerman is a player who I absolutely adore. I think he very well may be heading to his rule of 27 years. Turns 26 this September. So he's still got a ways, but we are seeing a guy who's probably classic bell curve who is going, who is in the process of hitting his peak, but I don't think that we have seen his best yet. And if that's the case with somebody who had 33 home runs and hit 292 last year, then we've got plenty to rejoice about. And would I like to have Ryan Zimmerman as my number one third baseman? Absolutely. I'd rather he play in Colorado or something or in Wrigley like Aramis, but. Every, there's everything to like about him. He hasn't shown an injury risk or anything like that. And so, yeah, he's, he's definitely plus and somebody that I would be targeting. Somebody I'm also targeting, but I may target for second base. And I didn't talk about him for second base. Uh, Barlow, who normally uh, uses the player profiles at playertrack.com, asked the most questions, and I appreciate that quickly rob at playertrack.com you can email me your fantasy questions but the best thing because i want to have discussion generate discussion among fantasy baseball fans and players is if you have a question about a particular player do a player search which you can do on any of the playertrack.com pages the home page as well you'll see the player search box where it says enter full or partial name enter a player you want information on and ask your question your question will go out there if I answer it, I may very well put it on Twitter, and I may uh, blog about it, but I may very well talk about it as I'm talking about here. Gordon Beckham comes in next, and there's a you know prospect. He's definitely a gamble. I don't think that he's somebody that's a sure bet, but the great thing about him is Gordon is going to be playing second base this year. At Comiskey, a field that notoriously is helpful for generating home runs. It's a toilet. I went with my bros in 1993 to see what was the new Comiskey and we saw Wrigley Wrigley just would bar none. One of the best stadiums I've ever been to just for the tradition. And just, I loved the whole setup Comiskey. Maybe it's just cause we sat in behind home plate in the nosebleeds, like as far as you could and nosebleeds at Comiskey, believe me are nosebleeds. <laughs> if, if you look in the definition, the dictionary for nosebleed seats, they have a picture of the ones behind home plate at Comiskey. I mean, I really—I felt like I was, in, uh, I was on the top of Mount Everest and I needed to plant a flag or something or, you know, snow shovel. It was really crazy. That was in the middle of summer, so it wasn't snow-worthy or anything, but it just was really, really high. Sorry, I'm digressing. Gordon Beckham. Gordon Beckham in 378 at-bats last season had 14 home runs. Now, that was awesome. And 14 home runs shows that this kid has a lot of home run power. He only hit 270, though. Now, that could be credited to the fact that he had a batting average in balls in play of two ninety-four. I think the thing that makes the pundits most excited was the fact in college, in his senior year, he was 21 years old in 2008 for Georgia in the SEC. In 275 at-bats, he hit 411. With that, he had 28 home runs. I mean, that was incredible. So a lot of folks are expecting that, but the thing that I'm negative about was the fact that he only had 28 triple A at-bats in his career. 28. In the few brief, uh, they call it two seasons, but it was only 233 at-bats, he hit .322 with a .375 on-base percentage. So you can see why folks are getting excited about him, but only 378 major league at-bats to be concerned about it's not a done deal, folks, and he's only 23 years old. So I had a discussion with Barlow, as I've referenced, and I, I want to specifically talk about what I said there. I said that Gordon was a good gamble, uh, but again, I mentioned the 28 triple A at bats. I felt I feel that he has for real power and speed, but whether that will translate in the majors it, in the immediate uh, term and the immediate short term is a gamble, and he ranked with a minimum zero at-bats. He ranks as the number 10 overall third baseman in all of baseball from last season, prorated. And I said on February 20th that, as for me, he's a farm team grab, but a very good one. And I think I still sort of feel that way. Um, if you're in leagues that it, uh, where Gordon can sneak by, and let's say it's an auction league and you can get him real cheap, in the end game for five bucks or under and you can get him in a corner infield spot or at your second base spot in particular, it's a second base spot where I think he's potentially most valuable, then great, you know, pull the plug on that and make sure you secure yourself with a farm team player, a reserve who can replace him if he doesn't turn out, but it's just not a done deal yet. There's just not enough. Uh, I don't know if it's, if he has enough of a, scouting report on him if he's had enough at bats at the professional level to be able to do that and so that's my main problem with gordon beckham but he still is here under proration minimum 100 at bats as we said standard 5-5 the seventh overall third baseman in all of baseball obviously pretty good At least potentially. Now, another one who's pretty good, at least potentially, is Casey McGahee coming in at number eight. And the other special thing about him is the fact that he is also eligible at second base and third base. And I believe I talked about him in the second base rankings because he ranked pretty high. I think I did uh, proration there, too. And so you can refer back to the second base podcast for more details, although I'll probably reiterate a little bit 355 at-bats. Again, we have limited sampling from Casey as well. But an average contact rate, it was a batting average on balls on play of 335 that may have very well been inflated. He could be anywhere between a 270 and a 300 hitter. So if you're betting on him to hit 300, don't hold your breath there. But for the same reasons that Gordon Beckham is a decent gamble, so is... uh, so is Casey McGahee. They're basically two peas in a pod if you look at them. I talked about Gordon having gotten 14 home runs and 378 at bats, and 355 at bats, Casey had 16. So, you know, very similar players. Isolated power for Gordon Beckham is 190, it was 197 for Casey uh Gordon Beckham's contact rate 82% with Casey's 81%. So if you like Gordon Beckham and you want to gamble on him, Gordon hit 270 last year. I think Casey could also revert back to 270 given about the same batting average and balls in play of about 300. Gordon's was 294 like I said. So it's a coin flip of these two who would I prefer? Well, Milwaukee is also a hitter's ballpark. I I think Milwaukee has better elements in the lineup surrounding him, so I probably like Casey more so, and you can draft him at second base as well. He played 22 games. Some leagues actually may require that before you can draft Gordon Beckham at second base, he has to play the five games, so you can't draft him there. You can put him there after he plays five games minimum. We have a rule in my Money League that says if a player is slated to start at a particular position – and that's going to be his primary position, and you can place him there. I think that's the fairest rule anyway. But nonetheless, Casey's one that you can draft in every league, 22 uh, appearances at second base last year. So that's about all I have to say on him, because you can refer back to the second base. But again, if you have questions about Gordon Beckham, like Barlow did, well, I could say look at him or look at Casey. Equal gambles in the near future. Number nine, who's also a very interesting player and also a, a potential... Gamble, if you will, because we don't have a heck of a lot of sampling, but we have uh, more sampling from him than we do the other two. And I'm referring to Ian Stewart. Now, Ian Stewart had a very lowly batting average last season of 228, but his batting average on balls and play was 275, ridiculously low and 425 at bats. It was 364 and 266 at bats in 2008. When he only hit two fifty nine, though. I think that clearly we can expect out of Ian Stewart a a two fifty nine to plus, maybe more like a two sixty something batting average. But we have a kid who's got a lot of pop, just like the other two. Hit twenty five home runs last season and four hundred and twenty five at bats, seven stolen bases and eleven tries, so he's not great there. And the other negative that makes Ian Stewart a Worst possibility, if you will, potentially than Casey McGee and Gordon Beckham, is the fact that he has he strikes out a ton. He struck out 138 times in 425 at bats last season. May may give Mark Reynolds a run for his money. 64 uh, percent contact rate in 2008, striking out 94 times in 266 at bats. So. You know, we're getting a guy who's going to come close to, if with a full season of 600 at-bats, could very well strike out 200 times. And for that, that's pretty nasty. Uh, doesn't, uh, I, the, a positive, I guess, I could give him is his on-base percentage was 318 from a 228 average last season, which was almost 100 points above. So he was walking. Uh, and The OPS 782 last year, 789 the year before. He had 11 starts at third base in 2007, 43 at-bats when he hit two oh nine, but we can't generate any thoughts about that, really, I don't think. But his two twenty eight average should definitely go up. I think that he, he suffered from bad luck, and I think that he was pressing a lot because obviously he wanted to impress the powers that be. The ultimate uh, thing with Ian is how much playing time he's going to get. And looking at the Colorado Rocky depth chart, he's slated to uh, start at third base right now. But remember the Rockies in the off season made the decision to pick up Melvin Mora. And that was very well uh, put up there. I think if Ian Stewart doesn't perform or if Ian Stewart has a terrible spring, they're definitely going to go with Melvin. Melvin was one of the top fantasy players in all the baseballs recently, six or six or so years ago, definitely on the downside of his bell curve on the downside of his career. But it makes Ian Stewart a much less attractive ball player in terms of because he's not going to get the playing time, potentially. So you have to monitor spring. I think that the Colorado will be looking carefully as well. And if Ian Stewart, when all is said and done, doesn't get the starting gig, then you've, you've got a bust. And that's probably why I'm not going to aim for Ian Stewart, at least at this point in time. But he is worth... At least noting right now and thinking about, uh, I'm trying to look and see uh, on the fly right now what his age is. Uh, his birthday is uh, April 5th, 2005. So he's only turning 24, 25 this year. We've still uh, got many years of Major League Baseball left in Ian Stewart. And it could be that Mora will be a positive influence for him, teach him a little bit about being a third baseman. And... You know, we can hope for good things for him, but with Melvin Mora in the mix, it's probably too big of a gamble, and considering Beckham and McGahee and Stewart as a a a three uh, a group of three who are potential gambles, he's the last of those three, and I, I don't think I'm pegging him at all, unless, of course, I'm in an NL-only league where he's absolutely worth a flyer pick uh, at the end. I think a lot of people will be turned off about the the fact that Morrow was signed. But again, you know, second base eligibility, he's not slated in the depth chart that I saw at CBS Sportsline as being in even the top three there at the depth chart. We got Eric Young backing up Clint Barmas and then a guy named Herrera that I don't know anything about. So um, that's about all I'll say on Ian Stewart, but he does under proration appear here in the top ten at number nine, and so that's pretty important. Michael Young comes in at number ten. Michael Young hit 322 last year. Michael Young, I was really gun shy. I did a mock draft, of uh, the aforementioned mock draft where I had the the best projected rank in in the entire league. Michael Young appeared at the third base spot, and he's an old. He's getting old, and I just couldn't pull the plug on him. I waited. I ended up getting Jorge Contu and made the decision that Contu was potentially more valuable than Michael Young would be. The 322 batting average, it's one of those scenarios where you attribute it to a batting average on balls and play that's pretty high, 354. But the thing about Michael Young is his worst batting average on balls in play since 2004, since player track has been keeping track of it, is 326, which is high. That's pretty high. It's like 20 points above league average. And when he had a 326, his lowest batting average on balls and play in 2008, he hit 284, which was really solid. He hit 315 and 314 in 2007 and 2006, respectively, 331 in 2005, 313 in 2004. We got a 300 hitter. Uh, the 284 in 2008 was an aberration. 340 High 340s to 350 is the area where he's still going to hit. I, I don't see any reason for that skill set to go down. So if you want a 310 plus batting average at the third base spot, Here it is. The other plus factor with good old Michael is that his uh, power went up, and that's why he ranks so high. 22 home runs, 8 stolen bases. The stolen bases seem to have gone down in the last three years. In 2007, it was 13, 2008, 10, and now 8. When he had 10 stolen bases in 2008, he was 10 for 10. He was never caught stealing. He was 8 for 11 this last year. So anywhere between 7 and 10 stolen bases is a done deal. The 22 home runs is still sort of scratch-head worthy because he only had 12 in 100 more at-bats in 2008. So where did those additional 14 come from? And really, if he had another 100 at-bats, you figure that he probably was slated hit another six uh, or or maybe four I'll be conservative. So that's 26 home runs versus 12. Where did that additional 14 come from? I, I can't explain it. I don't know. I, I have a feeling... If we were to look at his fly ball percentage and how many went over, it was probably abnormally high, and I'll have to double-check that. If you'd like to email me at com and let me know if, if that's what you found, it's probably a case of luck there that more balls went over uh, than usual. Certainly, you know he played it in Texas, and I've talked about the bandbox effect there in Arlington many times. We always like to see players in Texas, the Nelson Cruises of the world, the Chris Davises of the world. <laughs> you know, the, the things to get excited about there. The, the, Michael Young, you'll remember last year, trans, uh, transferred from third base from shortstop, and that was definitely a successful experiment, at least for purposes of fantasy. I don't know. I pay attention to fantasy, so I don't know what effect that had in terms of his de- defense and all that, but he's going to be starting there for Texas. He is, a, you know, the batting average is the key with this guy, and he, he helps to show how deep the third-base position is. I like to get power in the third-base position, which is why, you know, number 11, I said I was going to talk about top 10, but I'm going to skip around because this guy is definitely worthy of discussion. (laughs) Number 11, David Wright. Now, David Wright, 10 home runs last year. Again, I I don't know what the city field uh, effect is. The acquisition of Jason Bay will help us make a determination of whether there's something going on in that stadium. I believe I read that center field was brought in five feet. That could have been an urban rumor. I don't know that for certain. Uh, maybe I dreamt it, you know, cause I'm a David Wright fan and I, I want something to happen to help him get his home runs. But he had a 30, 33 home runs in 2008 dropped 23. Of course he had a hundred fewer at bats. And the thing that, that saved him that salvaged David Wright. I mean, he wouldn't even appear in the top 30. I don't think. I think Adrian Beltre would have been higher than uh, David Wright if David Wright had his uh, the batting average in balls and balls in play at three twenty eight that he had in two thousand eight. Because if he had that, David Wright would have hit two twenty seven last year. And I mean, really, you think that I'm, I'm talking crazy? No, that that's the way batting average balls and balls in play works. David Wright had the the highest batting average balls and balls in play among all players in all of baseball with one hundred fifty minimum at bats last year at four hundred. Every time he put the ball into play, it didn't strike out. 40% of the time, it went for a hit. That is ridiculously high. His previous high, is, he was 362 in 2007. That was the previous high. And when that was the case, he hit 325. So, I'm sorry to say, unless he gets his power back, David Wright could be completely gone. But you know what? I think it's going to happen. David Wright is certainly still of consideration, he still can come back to those 2008 levels. Do I want to be the guy that's going to take a gamble on that? Well, if I could get David Wright for under $15, then the answer is yes. But I don't think that's going to happen in an auction draft. And I have seen David Wright go. He's still going pretty high. I don't know what his ADP is, his average draft position um, at Mock Draft Central. But I, I, in the mock draft that I did, I think he went by the second round still. So people are still hoping against hope, and this will be the year. This will be the year where we'll determine whether David Wright just all of a sudden just lost it. I I just can't see that. I don't know what the circumstance was, but David Wright's still somebody high on my list. A couple other guys, certainly Pablo Sandoval. Everybody's talking about him, and he will go for a lot of money unless you're in a keeper league, and I'm sure you got him relatively cheap last year. He did have some hype last season, and particularly because people thought that he was going to play catcher. He never qualified for catcher throughout the whole year, appearing only three times in most leagues. It's five minimum times. I remember I got into a debate with uh, a fellow uh, league member in my money league, and he wanted to draft Pablo at catcher. I'm sure glad that I didn't allow that to happen because the expectation was, at least that's what the implication was, that it was obvious that he was going to start a catcher, and it wasn't obvious. You you got San Francisco, you got Benji Molina, and uh, I didn't see that they were going to need Pablo to play there. They definitely would need him in the infield there at the third base spot. And that's what happened. He even played 26 times at first base. The acquisition of Aubrey Huff for the giants is very interesting and and will be fun to watch. I, I like Aubrey Huff a lot. I think he could break out. Somebody to think about, uh, does not qualify at third base, but he might mix and match. I think Aubrey Huff is only first base off the double check that, or you can correct me or I'll correct it on the blog talk radio show. But Pablo will be playing third uh, Aubrey will be playing first for San Francisco. Great thing about Pablo is he hit three thirty A lot of people wondering well why would he be so low Well under proration, Pablo had more at bats than a lot of the guys I've already talked about five seventy two there weren't that he didn't have much higher to go in essence so under proration he had the best batting average here at the third base spot with his three thirty last season. His r b i total though with ninety was twenty third his run scored was the key problem for his value, 38th out of 60 players here. Home runs, he was ranked 16th out of 60. His stolen bases of 5 were 29th out of 60. He was thrown out five times, so he's 50% of the time thrown out. I don't think he's going to run that much. But definitely what you see is what you get here, I think, with Pablo. He's a pretty solid player. He showed that in 145 at-bats in 2008 when he hit three forty five and three sixty seven batting average on balls in play that he had some potential. I thought that was a high batting average on balls in play, but his regression last year, 353, uh, contact rate of 85%, does not strike out that much. He's an excellent hitter, and the power is just extra cream on top of that uh, ice cream sundae. Again, another reference, I'm not sure I understand. the bat, His on-base percentage, 386, really nice too. That's more conducive for runs, but playing on that Frisco team, that's the big question mark. The acquisition of Aubrey Huff, was a plus that I think will benefit him. And certainly Pablo Sandoval is an option that I like a lot as well. Third base is probably one of the, with first base is one of the deeper positions. Sean Figgins moving to Seattle is a good option there. Particularly you're looking for stolen bases, which is the key for him and hitting close to a 300 batting average. uh, Definitely a possibility there as a LA person. It's sad to see him leave the angels. You've sort of a staple but he should do very good things for Seattle. Chipper Jones, finally, he played in 143 games last year, I think it was. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's exactly where right. I saw that this morning. Chipper Jones only hit 264. What happened? Well, 291 batting average on balls in play. He's getting old, uh, he's on the downside. But you know what? He has never been that bad with the batting average balls in balls and play. The two sixty four is an aberration, and I can see as long as Chipper's playing, and I think he will still. I don't. He's probably a few years from retiring just yet. His the power numbers uh, have gone down from yesteryear. Uh, you know, in the in the late nineties, two thousand early two thousands since uh we've been counting here at player track 2004 he hit 30 then 21 then 26 and 29 22 in 2008 18 last year certainly injury is the name of the game with him he you can expect uh, 450 at bats maybe that's about what you can hold your breath for with him Just seems to always get hurt, but he walks like crazy on base percentage leagues. He's still a must grab, and I still think he's a must grab. This reminds me of Todd Helton. A lot of people turned off on Todd Helton last season because of his 2008 horrifically bad batting average. But again, same with Chipper Jones. That was reflective of his worst batting average on balls in play of at least his more recent career in the last six years, and that will certainly go up. I think that Chipper should have hit with his normal standard luck 315 to 320 last year. Actually, he still was on pace to do that. The 364 average he had in 2008 was reflective of a 388 batting average in balls in play, which was about, about 30 points higher than usual, which would have put him at 334 under normal circumstances. The guy is a great hitter, not as much of a masher anymore, but certainly somebody to think about. Uh, and probably you can get him relatively cheap, I would say. Scouring through the remainder of this list, I see Edwin Encarnacion uh, now with Toronto and always has been all potential and just hasn't uh, really come to fruition, if you will. Uh, if you look at his player graph, which I'm doing right now at playertrack.com, his prorated ranking has just consistently fallen since 2006. So he has been a disappointment to many. But he hit 26 home runs in 2008 when he hit two fifty-one. Last season, a two hundred forty-nine batting average on balls in play. The previous season, two sixty-seven, But he had three ten batting average on balls in play in 2006 and three twenty-three in 2007. He could be more of a, a low two hundred seventies hitter, which would make him very valuable if he can hit 25-plus home runs again. And I think that's entirely possible. So watch out for him, particularly in AL only leagues. He would probably be an endgame type pick. A lot of people down on him. But he's got the starting gig as of now. And he's definitely somebody that I would take a a look at. And I think he's worthy of it if you're looking to fill this position cheap. Again, another sample of why uh, this position is so deep. Um, continuing on looking at a couple other names, if I can, that I don't want to forget uh, Pedro Feliz uh, names to think about. Uh, definitely an end game cheap pick. Certainly Melvin Mora who had a, a major drop ranks 47th out of these 60 players, a, a guy who I really like. He got more time at third base. I drafted him as a shortstop last season's Johnny Peralta, Johnny Peralta. You know, I I can't really explain what happened to him. He was never a great hitter. Um, he hit 276 2008. He had the same batting average on balls in play. Almost it was .314 in 2009, .316 in 2008. But he only hit .254. Uh, I attribute that perhaps to striking out a little bit more, maybe pressing a little bit. The thing that I, I was sad about with uh, with Johnny Peralta was, in fact, it was his rule of 27. He had 23 home runs in 2008, but only had 11 and just a, maybe 20-some-odd fewer at-bats. And that was a huge drop-off. That was a huge disappointment for me. I got him cheap in the end game and thought, wow, I got 20 home runs easy for cheap. And getting 11 at the third base spot was, I think I got him as a middle infielder, actually, or a corner infielder, sorry. That was a real killer for me. The the fact that he turned 27 last year, though, you know, it's the the year after rule of 27. He could still be peaking, and could definitely be somebody worth your while. So I'm going to stop now. That leaves about eight or so minutes to go in the blog talk radio program. If you have any questions, you can call. I'm going to give the number as soon as I come on live. I thank you again for listening. Player track is available for you. It has the Knicks tool and. And all these various tools, the overall ranking that includes hitters and pitchers that I described earlier in this podcast, that I believe is the best fantasy draft tool on the market. And I don't just say that because I'm tooting my own horn. I say that because I designed a website, I designed a system that I wished that I had. This is what I felt in in 2004, and it has worked consistently for me throughout the years. And I, I'm anxious to use the overall ranking system, the new one, uh, for my leagues that aren't standard 5-5. Five, five. The very first time I'll be able to do that. So check it out. It's only $9.99 for a draft kit. Again, that's Playertrack.com. Fantasy questions can be addressed on that website. You can do a search for a particular player if you have a question about that player. Or you can post in the latest blog entry for the podcast and uh, I may very well use your question in the next podcast thank you for listening i'm rob reed dot playertrack.com and baseballgeeks.com i will be seeing you next week where i'm going to be talking about the catchers